Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, folks. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is the world's like top provider of downloadable audiobooks. They have loads and loads and loads of titles for you to choose from. And it's just a really, really great way to get to consume lots of books without actually having to read them. You can just listen to often professional actors reading the stories to you. Some audiobooks are also different from the original books. Like, for example, I recently listened to the Beastie Boys audiobook. And it's brilliant because each chapter is read by a different famous person, some very obscure people, and it's very, very funny. It's different to actually reading the book itself. Also, things like the Alan Partridge books are great because Alan actually reads the books to you himself. So explore audiobooks, and Audible is a great way to do that. And basically, with this offer, you can get a 30-day free trial that includes a free audiobook of your choice. And what you do is you sign up for the 30-day trial, download the audiobook you want, and then cancel your subscription. You can keep the book. And that's totally fine. Audible are totally fine with this. Or you can continue your subscription and continue and then get new audiobooks each month. Or you can cancel and keep the book. It's up to you. Uh, To get that offer, go to audibletrial.com slash teacherluke. A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com, audibletrial.com slash teacherluke, and you can get started. Okay, let's now get started with this new installment, and here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 614. In this episode, I'm going to continue reading through this online text adventure that I started in episode 612. This should be the third and final part of this murder mystery story. You have to listen to parts one and two before you listen to this, okay? You must listen to parts one and two first. And parts one and two, they are episodes 612 and 613. If you don't listen to them first, none of this will make any sense. So you must listen to parts one and two of this story before you listen to this. Okay? Okay. So I'm assuming now that you've heard those two parts and you know what's going on. So I don't need to explain it all again. What I would like to do, though, is just recap the story just to remind you. So, uh, Vic... Victorian London, 1861. Um, we are playing the part of a um, an, a brilliant detective, a bit like Sherlock Holmes, a lot like Sherlock Holmes, really. And we are searching for uh, killers. So we're on the hunt for the killers of three prominent academics in London. So three um, intellectuals have been murdered. One of them, our best friend, an excellent historian. Intelligent and brilliant people keep turning up dead, completely naked, with their hearts ripped out. After lots of investigation by us and our partner, Mardler, 
we've worked out that the killings have been done by a weird religious cult that worships king cobras and likes to eat the hearts of people as a way of, as a way of absorbing their intelligence. Yeah, I know. Like they they sort of think that if you eat the person's heart that you somehow absorb that person's spirit. What are you going to do? And they love incense as well. Incense is part of the ritual. I think it's from India or something. Sort of vaguely Eastern connection. Although I don't know if cannibalistic cults are a thing that you have in India any more than we do in England. But let's just say this is a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay? Um, So we've managed to catch two of the principal murderers. A wealthy member of the upper classes a woman posing as a nurse in local hospital, and now we're on the tracks of the main bad guy, an old man by the name of Lynch, who we suspect... Is it Lynch? Is that right? We suspect he's currently holding a French intellectual hostage with a plan to murder him and eat his heart in the next few hours. Earlier in the story, if you remember, we got shot. We had to jump out of a window. So we're nursing an injury in our back and we're not at our full strength. We've managed to track down Lynch to a house outside London and now we're going to enter the house and hopefully save the life of the Frenchman and bring Lynch to justice. Let's see what happens next and what kind of score I'm going to get at the end of this game. I have a feeling that we're going that we're getting pretty close to the end of the story. Just a uh, just a feeling I have. I think we're getting close based on how it's going. I reckon this should be finished in the next 15 to 20 minutes. But we will see. It could go on for even longer. I've no idea. Depends on how the story twists and turns. If there's time in this episode, I, you know, if, if, for example, the story is over in the next 15 or 20 minutes, then I do have a list of vocab items that I've picked from the story that I can go through. We'll see. If I don't have time for that, maybe I'll do a premium episode with all the vocab or something. By the way, uh, talking of premium uh subscribers there are actually videos for episodes 612 and 613 and hopefully this one too videos for premium subscribers and they're basically videos of me recording the episode so i've put my phone uh in front of me um if behind my computer and you can just watch me um telling the story and using my body language and all that stuff and also um, so that's 612, 613 and 614, hopefully, if the video doesn't go wrong or something. Um, and you can see me reading the story. And also, there are some bonus extras for the premium people, including a song in 613 Part 2, a song which I had to improvise uh, because I had technical problems. Uh, sign up to LEP Premium at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. Right, so let's carry on with the story. Are you ready? Yes, Luke, we're all ready. Okay, let's carry on then. So, um, here we go. So, we've worked out that Lynch, Quentin Lynch, is in this house. We've tracked him down. We can see that his handsome cab, the horse-drawn carriage, matches the one that left the hospital, probably carrying the French academic in the back. So... Let's see. The streets of London are growing dark as you hike as you hike through Anton Street. Your cane holds you up, the chilling wind biting at your collar. There aren't many people on the street aside from the occasional passing carriage, a few walking Londoners, and a man taking a smoke break beside his handsome cab. Eureka! You see a carriage 
outside a small house that matches the one that had left the Dacre Hotel, an 1835 Clarence carriage, grey with black wheels. You carefully approach the house, the faint aroma of incense emanating from within. The Columbrigem ritual could begin at any moment, <clears throat> if it hasn't already started. You walk to the door and begin fiddling with the lock. This scenario seems justifiable as probable cause. So you're sort of justifying breaking into this house because you think you've got probable cause, uh, meaning you think there's probably a good reason for doing it. You can't accept another casualty. Click. The door gently swings open and you begin sneaking through the house, pistol in hand. You ascend the stairs to the second floor following the sound of a muffled conversation. You reach the source of the noise, ear pressed against the second-story door, hand tightly gripping the door handle. It's time to act. You push the door open. <clears throat> this is where we ended it last time, with a cliffhanger. So, we push the door open. There are two men in the room. One is a Frenchman, naked and tied to a chair. Streaks of tears running down his face. Presumably, this is Marcel Paloma. The man standing behind him is Quentin Lynch, glinting knife in his hand. His, his eyes grow wide as you burst through the door, gun drawn. Lynch, bring, Lynch brings the knife within an inch of Paloma's neck and crouches behind him. <clears throat> you really are good. What was, what was Lynch's voice? He's sort of an old man, isn't he? You really are good, he says. I recognise you from Winterdale. The crippled detective that was after Claire. You can't get a clear shot at Lynch. He's using Paloma as a human shield. Your arm wavers ever so slightly in your wounded state. Ugh. The Columbrigem ritual is a beautiful thing, says Lynch. It holds intelligence as the most valuable trait. Don't you agree, detective? Don't you agree that the intellect is the greatest power? Is intellect the greatest power? Let's say yes. But this isn't intelligence, you respond. Killing people and eating their hearts is stupidity. You're insane. You're the opposite of intelligent in, if you believe that murder and cannibalism will make you spiritually stronger. Lynch grinds his teeth. You're so brilliant, he says, yet so utterly and obviously ignorant. Drop the knife, Lynch, you shout. He brings it closer to Paloma's neck, pressing the cold blade against his soft skin. Drops of blood begin trickling down the Frenchman's neck. No, replies Lynch. Drop your gun. So what are you going to do? Are we going to take the shot or not take the shot? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> he's, he's, he's hiding behind uh, this French guy. Can we afford to shoot the French guy? Nah. I was wonder I was considering it there. Oh, maybe, you know, we could just lose a French person. It's not that bad, is it? <laughs> just joking, all right? Um, no, I think we're not going to take the shot. I can't risk it. It's too risky. I'm not going to take the shot. I'm going to wait for another opportunity. Yes, it was the right choice. You don't have a clear shot of uh, of Lynch, so you hold off. It's too risky. Lynch rushes towards you with Paloma as a shield, throwing him at you. The Frenchman collides with you, knocking your gun out of your hand and sending an agonising jolt of pain through your wound. Ow! Lynch turns and runs out of the room through a back exit 
as you fumble to grab your gun off the floor. He disappears through the doorway while you shakily rise to your feet, your back throbbing. You can feel blood seeping through your clothes. I'll be back, you grunt. It's not the end of the story. You follow Lynch through the doorway and enter... Wait a minute, he said, I'll be back. You can't say that. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger's catchphrase. Unless this whole time this detective has been played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, like, um, what are some of the things he said to him? But this isn't intelligence. Killing people and eating their hearts is stupidity. My Schwarzenegger impression is really not that good. All it is is just... And then something that sounds a bit like Werner Herzog. (laughs) This isn't intelligence. Killing people and eating their hearts is stupidity. No. Most of you don't even know who Werner Herzog is. But I tell you what, he is in the new... What? He's He's in the Mandalorian, the Star Wars TV series. Anyway. So I'll be back, you you grunt. You follow Lynch through the doorway and enter another room. There's a set of stairs descending to your left and a window to the street to your right. You see Lynch has already quickly climbed down the stairs and he's outside climbing into his carriage. How do you plan to pursue him? Jump out of the window or rush down the stairs? Well, considering the injury we've got, we can't jump out the window. We're going to rush down the stairs. Yes, the right decision. Your back can't take any more damage, so you hastily descend the stairs instead of throwing yourself out of the window. You don't need to be a brilliant detective to work that out, do you? If you've got a a gunshot wound in your back that's bleeding profusely, probably best to take the stairs. You arrive at the street and see Lynch's heavy carriage lumbering away. You can't catch him on foot. You see the same cab driver from earlier, still on his smoke break, slouching beside his handsome cab. Police commander, you cry uh, cry out as you make your way over to the cab. You jump up and take hold of the reins, cracking them loudly to get the horse's attention. You begin racing down the London road towards Lynch. Wonderful. A chase. You're catching up to Lynch's heavy carriage as you gallop down the cold street. There are two carriages between you and Lynch, blocking most of the road. There's just enough room between you for you to squeeze through. Alternatively, you could hop up onto the sidewalk to go around them. So there are two carriages. There's just enough room between them for you to squeeze through or we go up the sidewalk. I'm not going up the sidewalk. It's going to be too bumpy. I'm not physically prepared for that. I'm going to drive between the carriages. Oh dear, it was the wrong mistake. You yank the reins of the cab and swerve between the two blocking carriages. There's just enough room for the cab to fit, but your reckless driving spooks the horses. So the horses have been sort of scared or spooked by my bad driving. One of the horses reacts by kicking wildly, flinging its driver off into the street and striking your carriage with a hoof, precariously knocking it up on two wheels Bloody hell, that is a strong horse. So one horse has gone crazy and kind of kicked and he's knocked our carriage onto two wheels. It's like the the strongest horse in the world. You regain control of the flimsy cab, hoping it doesn't break and fall apart during your chase. Lynch is still ahead of you, but you're gaining fast. What? You visualise London's streets and realise that taking a sharp turn 
into an oncoming narrow alleyway would lead you down a path that would surely cut off Lynch. So we reckon if we go down a little alleyway, we can find a way to cut off Lynch uh, later on. So what are we going to do? Down the alleyway or continue chasing Lynch? We're gaining on him, right? We're already gaining on him. Are we going to go down a narrow alleyway with this carriage? I don't think so. I'm going to continue chasing him. Right, correct decision. The alley is too narrow for you to execute a clean turn into it. You're going too fast and you're not sure if this flimsy cab could withstand drifting into the alley wall. So you're not sure if the, 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 the cab is going to be able to take that kind of damage if it hits the wall. You're already gaining on Lynch, so you decide to continue as you are. A minute later, you're practically on Lynch's carriage, weaving through the streets, dodging Londoners and other vehicles. In an attempt to escape, Lynch takes a reckless right turn and his carriage goes up on two of its four wheels and then flips entirely, crashing to the ground and throwing him across the road. This is an old man, right, Lynch? He's kind of a grey-haired guy. I don't know if he can handle this kind of thing. He slides through loose dirt and gravel, then stays motionless on the ground. You pull up beside Lynch's body and climb down from your cab, drawing your pistol warily. Quentin Lynch, you're under arrest, you shout. Lynch rolls over onto his back, breathing shakily and looking up at you weakly. In the fray of the crash, his knife stabbed him into his stomach. Blood runs onto the street, pooling into a scarlet puddle beneath him. So when he crashed... His knife accidentally has stabbed him in the stomach and he's bleeding. Help me! He stutters through the shock and pain. So what we're going to do? Apply pressure to the wound to stop the bleeding or remove the blade, clean the wound, and then apply pressure. We've got to remove the blade, clean the wound and apply the pressure, surely. Because uh, if we don't remove the blade, I mean, you know, you've got to remove the blade from the wound, haven't you? You can't apply pressure with the blade in the wound you've got to clean the wound otherwise it's going to get infected so we've got to clean it remove it and apply pressure oh it's the wrong decision what you remove the foreign blade from lynch's stomach and his blood flow rapidly increases he coughs in agony as his life pours out into the street hot blood contrasting with the cold london air oh dear by the time help arrives it's too late he's dead oh god at the soonest opportunity You send help to Marcel Paloma and get the handsome cab back to its rightful driver. There will be no prison for Quentin Lynch, only a hole in the ground. The end. That's the end. Oh, I can't believe I killed him. Is there any way for me to go back? There isn't. Anyway, I scored 14 out of 19 points in the last chapter there. And it says, you've completed Victorian Detective 3, Heartless. Story score, 31 out of 37 points. So at least we managed to find the bad guy and we got him in the end, even though we didn't bring him to justice. It's a pity. I would, I would rather he'd spent the rest of his days in jail where he belongs. So my investigation score is broken into three categories. Swift observation. That's my ability to quickly make de- deductions based on recent clues. And I got 13 out of 14 for that. Deep analysis. Your ability to reflect on evidence and piece together overarching theories. I got 11 out of 13 for that. Not bad. And dynamic interaction. Your ability to uh, react immediately 
to danger. Your coordination and overall athleticism, 7 out of 10. So not bad. I may be mainly a quick thinker. So here uh, is what my score means. I got 31. That means I'm a discerning detective. That's nice. And discerning, that's a nice word, isn't it? Discerning basically means that you've got really good judgment. So I'm a discerning detective. The top score you can get is deductionist. And the next one from that is ingenious investigator. So I'm three from the top. Not so bad. And Peter Carlson writes at the end, thanks for playing. Please rate the game and review. Um, I would love to leave a review, but I need to be logged in to do that, I think. Log in to post a review or comment. I'm not going to do that right now, but you could do that if you uh, have been reading along with me. Why not do that and let Peter Carlson know how much you've enjoyed the story? Right, so I've been going for uh, nearly 20 minutes. I said before that I'd go through a vocab list, but um, there are still some... Oh dear, I've I've closed the window that I was using. Damn, hold on. Ah, okay, never mind, never mind. I was going to say there are still some words that I could add to the list, but it's too late now and the list is already too long. I'm going to just add discerning detective here. Discerning detective okay that's going to be the last word i'm i'm adding here onto my list okay so i've got a list of words then which came from mostly to be honest parts one and two of this i'm just going to put it put the word list on the right page here this is the page for 614 okay so let me go through this word list now then just as a reminder these are words that you've heard in the story and words that i may have quickly explained but let me just go through them fairly quickly I'm not going to go through them in the same level of depth that I would go through language in a premium episode. I'm just going to go through it quickly just to give you a little reminder. So we had the word acclaimed, an acclaimed historian. That means that lots of people have uh, praised this person. He's been critically praised. Lots of people said lots of good things about him. He's celebrated and praised as a great um, academic historian. That was Julian. The odour of varnish. Odour, spelt O-D-O-U-R in British English, means smell. And varnish is that stuff that you paint onto wood to protect it or to make it look shiny. So the odour of varnish, the smell of varnished. A furrowed brow. I think this is Julian while he was playing chess with us. Furrowed brow. Your brow is basically the area just above your eyes. It's on your forehead. And a furrowed brow is a brow that's kind of... Creased in concentration, so there are wrinkles in it. It sort of uh, squeezes together in the middle. Hmm. When you're thinking really hard, that's a furrowed brow. Okay. A loner is someone who sort of spends most of their time on their own. A loner. Julian chuckles to chuckle. It's just a, another word which means to laugh. Ha 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 It's kind of a soft laugh. Um. And then, I thought I had you for a minute. Remember, they were playing chess. And Julian thought he had me for a minute, meaning he had me in a position where he could win. So, I've got you. We've got you now. I have you now. I thought I had you for a moment. A raving lunatic. I think this is the guy who turns up at the hospital and he's high on cocaine and his eyelids are dilated and he's crazy. And he's having a fight with someone. He's a raving lunatic. A lunatic is basically a crazy person. And raving means kind of talking 
incoherently talking kind of just uh, talking uh not just rambling but talking completely incoherently okay so ranting and raving we call it um so you can imagine someone who's really high on some um amphetamines or cocaine or something would be raving and we we actually do say a raving lunatic and a raving madman as well as an adjective that goes before those words okay so let's see so let's carry on a bookmark a bookmark is just something that um you put in a book do i have a bookmark anywhere here Yeah, I've got I've hit I mean I've got a book here which is called Crap Dad Jokes. <laughs> I could I could do an episode of the podcast using jokes from this book. Someone gave it to me on for Christmas or something. Crap Dad Jokes. And I've I've got to page 36 of this book and I've been using an envelope as a bookmark. But you can get much nicer bookmarks than this. I'm sure I had one on the table here somewhere. So it's just basically like a piece of paper or card that you put into a book to save your space in the book that's a bookmark and if you remember julian was reading books about um um the napoleonic wars history of the napoleonic wars and um so he his bookmark was slowly moving through the books to show that he'd be making progress uh next is the word uh bags under your eyes so if you're feeling tired right if you're feeling tired uh, then you might have bags under your eyes, basically. Sometimes we say rings around our eyes or bags under our eyes, okay? Uh, Julian had bag, bags under his eyes because he'd been um, uh, working on some sort of new um, academic uh, journal, I think, or study or something. Um, okay, so next we have uh, confident uh, footsteps, confident footsteps i don't remember where that was from but footsteps uh footsteps is the sound of someone walking click clock those are footsteps okay a mutilated corpse mutilated means it's been kind of um mm, it's been it's been cut um violently cut and disfigured disfigured cut up and a corpse is a dead body. So a mutilated corpse, a body that's been cut and gutted like an animal. Now, before you eat, let's say, a fish, you need to slice it open and remove all its guts. You remove all the guts, all the bad parts that you don't want to eat. That's called gutting an animal. And in this case, the, the victims had been gutted like an animal. Okay, Um so uh, there you go, gutted like an animal. We also use gutted as a slang word to mean disappointed. Oh, I'm absolutely gutted. I can't believe we let him die at the end of the story. Um, she has blisters on her left fingertips from the strings. Blisters are things that you might get on your fingers or your feet as a result of uh, friction. So if you're just learning to play the guitar or violin or something, you might uh, get blisters on your fingers. When I play the bass, when I haven't played for a while, because the strings are so thick, uh, I often get blisters on my fingers, um, like the famous outtake from uh, the end of, what is it, uh, Yeah Blues by the Beatles, where Ringo shouts, i got blisters on my fingers, because he's been playing the drums so hard, he's got blisters on his fingers. Um, okay, so next we have, um, 
uh, several several expressions meaning to like look through something. So the first one is to rummage through a desk drawer. So you know what a desk drawer is? That's in the desk. You pull out a drawer and you can keep things inside it. So rummaging through a desk drawer. And um, that's kind of like moving, getting your hands in the drawer and going through it. Everyone's got one of those drawers in their house or their flat. Just a generic drawer full of stuff that you don't know what to do with. And when you, you need to find something like a cigarette lighter or something like that, you open the drawer and you rummage through it. There you go, to rummage through it. The other expression is to dig through something, which is a, like the same thing. But in this case, it was Marilyn hast, hastily digs through her bag. So one of the characters dug through her bag. It's a bit like rummage through, dig through, like go into the bag. Because we know that women's handbags are sort of, um, they're like the TARDIS. They seem small on the outside, but they're massive on the inside. And they contain all of your worldly possessions. And you have to like dig through your bag in order to find like your keys or, or whatever it is. Another line here is, Marilyn is taken aback. If you're taken aback, it basically means that you're surprised. Okay? Taken aback means surprised. Like, oh, you could mention it physically taken aback, like you're moved back. Like, oh, uh, wow surprised um her so she digs through her bag and her hand returns clutching two ticket stubs ticket stubs are parts of a paper ticket and if you're clutching something it means you're holding it so grabbing clutching holding uh three synonyms and um so she tells us that she's been at the theater and we think this is a pretty good alibi an alibi is a story that proves your innocence for example, I was at the theatre with my husband. It's an alibi. And in English, yet yeah, we pronounce it alibi, not alibi. I think in French it's alibi, but uh, alibi in English. Um, okay. Um, we can hear from some witnesses that can confirm her whereabouts. Your whereabouts means where you are. His whereabouts is where he is. What are his whereabouts? Right, that means where is he? You don't rule her out as a suspect yet. To rule someone out, that means to remove someone from your thinking, right? So the police would rule someone out when they've decided that person is definitely not a suspect. They rule them out. To rule something out means don't sort of uh, reject or or um, uh, forget about one possibility, okay? To rule it out. So... Now, a dead body was found and suicide was ruled out because it was obvious that this was a murder, for example. Or the police have ruled out any uh, foul play. Foul play is the word that they always use uh, to describe something like murder. So police have ruled out any foul play. They've ruled out murder. In this case, we don't want to rule out Marilyn from our, our uh, investigation yet. Uh, at one point, pollen was mentioned. Pollen, do you remember that? Pollen is the stuff that's produced by flowers and trees, and it helps to um, helps in um, reproducing the, the 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 plants. So in springtime, some people get hay fever because they're allergic to the pollen which is in the air. Bees and other insects like to collect pollen, and and they kind of move it often between flowers. Uh, pollinating the different plants in the process that's pollen 
uh, two of the characters got into a violent scuffle. A scuffle is like a physical fight. You can imagine two people struggling, maybe falling on the floor together. That's a scuffle. You can imagine a, a scuffle outside a pub. Or as people are queuing up to go into a nightclub, there was a scuffle in the queue as two people started getting into a fight. You f- at one point, you fall over and you scrape your palms on the hard road. The, the, the underside of your hands are the palms of your hands, the soft part. Okay, and the other side is the back of your hand. So you've got the palm of your hand and the back of your hand. Okay, um, you stumble back onto your feet and catch up with Mardler. Very common phrasal verb. To catch up with someone means to get to the same position as them, to get to the same speed as them. Sweat is forming on your brow. There's that word brow again. We had furrowed brow earlier on, if you remember. Furrowed brow. And now uh, we're using the word brow to describe where the sweat is. So basically, you know, your, your forehead is sweating. Sweat is forming on your brow. You sprint across the road. Sprint, you probably know, means run really fast, like the 100-meter sprint in the Olympics. You sprint across the road. Uh, the man falls over, tripping on a discarded piece of garbage. If you trip, it means, whoops, you fall over. Something hits your foot, and it makes you fall over. Okay? Um, this is the guy who's high on cocaine at the hospital, and he's got dilated pupils. Now, premium subscribers will know this word because we've been through it recently, but dilated pupils are the black parts of your eyes are the pupils, and if they're dilated, they're extra wide, maybe because you're high on drugs. Dilated pupils, bloody nose, and horse voice. Horse sounds exactly like the horse that you would ride in a Western movie. One of those, that's a horse. But a horse voice means a dry and rough voice. Oh, Dina, leave me alone. I've got a horse voice. Horse, though, is spelt differently here. It's H-O-A-R-S-E. So horse that you ride is H-O-R-S-E. And a horse voice, meaning rough, is H-O-A-R-S-E. Okay? Um, And this guy with the dilated pupils and the horse voice, he's been lurking at Hollow Leaf Hospital. Lurking means kind of hiding in one place with maybe bad intentions. Lurking. Like a monster would lurk under a bridge waiting for someone to come so they can catch them. Lurking. So this guy's been lurking at the hospital trying to get drugs. Dr. Yates, when he hears the bad news, he slumps on the ground. Remember that word slump? Slump meaning to like collapse with your head down. We also use the word slump when we're describing figures, um, statistics, numbers and things. Like, for example, a graph. If the graph goes up and then the, 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 the line of the graph goes down, you can say that the figures slump. Like sales um, rose steadily during the spring and then stayed um, consistent during the summer, but then slumped in the autumn, meaning they went down. Uh, an- another dead end. A dead end is, well... It would be a road that has no end. A road with no end. I mean, no, that's not correct. I've made that mistake before. Not a road with no end, because obviously that's an infinite road. I mean, the opposite of that. I mean, a, a, a road um, with an end. So you can't, can, you can't go through it. That's a dead end. So if you're escaping, oh, my God, oh no, it's a dead end. Quick, turn around. Footprints on the floor. So we had footsteps. That's the sound of people walking. Footprints is what you see on the floor after someone has walked, especially if their foot is wet. They leave footprints on the ground. 
Okay, footprints, uh, dried uh, mud. Mud, I explained before, is that brown stuff, that wet stuff that's on the ground. If um, on the floor you have mud or soil, soil is like brown stuff that you can grow things in. You have soil in a field and you, you plant things in the soil. Mud is when it's like too wet and it's all sticky and disgusting. That's mud. So we're following the faint footprints. Faint here, meaning not very clear, like only slightly visible, faint. So you can have faint footprints. You can also have a faint sound as well, meaning a very slight sound. A fist, you should know, is when a hand is, uh, all the fingers and the thumb of the hand are pulled together to create a fist, which you would use to punch someone. That's a fist. There's a bruise on Julian's face. A bruise is an injury that you would get maybe after someone punched you with their fist. A bruise is usually like blue in colour, maybe black, maybe a dark green. So that's when, I guess, the capillaries in the skin or whatever have been damaged and it creates like this mis- this discoloration. So it's like a dark mark on your skin as a result of damage. That's a bruise. The floorboards creak noisily as you walk over them. To creak is to make a noise like this. You know, creaky floorboards. Okay, the, the floorboards creak as you walk over them. You tackle him to the ground. That's like in rugby. You know, when you grab someone and um, force them to hit the floor, you tackle him. Also, you tackle things in football as well. Tackle players in football, but with your legs. But in rugby, you tackle someone by grabbing them. You can also tackle a problem as well, which is another expression, meaning how are we going to tackle this issue? How are we going to solve it? Most of the doctors and nurses have gone home for the night, but a few stragglers are left caring for the sick and wounded. Stragglers are basically people who are left behind. So imagine there's a party, and most people went home from the party at like 12 o'clock, but there are still a few stragglers who stayed until 3. You wince in pain. Now, what, what does your face do when you experience strong pain? What does your face do? It winces like that. Your face takes a... It's like you, yeah, you wince. It's the only word for it. Uh, to wince in pain. Ow! Like that. It's when your face changes shape when you're experiencing pain. Your kneecap and head are throbbing. Throbbing is a word that you would use to describe a sort of pain. And it's a pain that kind of goes like that. Throbbing probably because of the blood flow. But throbbing pain is a pain that kind of goes right? No, it doesn't make that noise, obviously, but it it feels like that in your head. If your head is throbbing, oh, my head is throbbing, Mm, 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 like that. It hurts like that. Uh, A cane, as I said before, is a thin stick, which you might have with you if you have trouble walking. You might have a cane to help you keep your balance. A cane also used to be used as punishment in schools. It's it's banned now, but it used to be a form of punishment. (laughs) get smacked with a cane sorry i have to ambush you like this this is claire embridge saying to uh talking about ambushing us uh when we were in the in the uh horse-drawn carriage to ambush someone is to attack someone by surprise so imagine let's say a group of soldiers are walking along a path and they think they're safe they're walking along and suddenly enemy soldiers attack them from the hedges they jump out. They've been hidden in the hedges and they jump out and attack them. So that is to uh, ambush someone. Um, 
Next is the word gears. Gears, we know in a machine or maybe in a bike, you have gears that help a machine move. And gears turning means the machinery is moving. Now, we talk about gears turning to describe someone's thought process. Gears turning in someone's head. So I said for like for the video viewers, you can see the gears turning in my head as I try to think. Crisp morning air fills your nostrils. Where are your nostrils on your body? Well, they are the holes in your nose. These are your two nostrils. So when you breathe in, the air fills your nostrils. Um, you feel winded by the time you reach Palomar's door. So we're climbing some stairs with our injury. And if you're winded, it's like the wind has been knocked out of you. It's not just out of breath, but... It's like if you're winded, it means you can't breathe. Someone punches you, you'll be winded. Like that. That's to be winded. It's not just to be out of breath, but it's to feel like you've got no air left in your body. A shard of glass. A shard of glass. A shard of glass is basically a, a, a like a piece of glass that looks a bit like a knife. That's a shard of glass. It's like a thin sharp piece of glass that's a shard of glass there was a shard of glass on the floor of palomer's room if you remember madler ponders your theory to ponder something is to think about it hmm i'm just pondering your question okay pondering a theory um he was brushing up on german translations when we last saw him to brush up on something is to kind of uh try and improve something in a short time Okay, so for example, if you're going to go to Germany, you might brush up on your German by going through a German phrase book or something. Okay, you can say my English is a bit rusty, so I need to brush up on it. So I'm listening to Luke's English podcast to help me brush up on my English. Uh, At one point, you limp into a shop. Limp is a way to walk. If you listen to the episode, the free episode in the app about ways of walking, you'll know this word. To limp is when you have an injured leg, you walk in a sort of uneven way. One leg goes more slowly than the other. So you limp like that, like the way an injured person would walk. Quentin Lynch was cold and out of breath. Here's the word, the phrase out of breath again. If you're out of breath, it just means that you're having trouble breathing, probably because you've been doing lots of activity. And then finally, we had the word discerning, because it turned out I'm a discerning detective, which basically means showing good judgment. Okay, so I think you're a discerning listener, because you've clearly shown good judgment in listening to this episode all the way up to this point. Thank you so much for listening. Um, And um, I don't really have much to say at this point, except um, why don't you check out Victorian Detective 3, which you can find at textadventures.com dot co dot uk and do the adventures see if you make different choices to me because i i didn't get a hundred percent so maybe you can do it again and get a hundred percent this time and watch out for those words that you will see as you go through it uh, again sign up for lep premium at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium in order to get the videos for these last three episodes and also all the other stuff that i produce for my premium subscribers on a regular basis um that's it though It's been a pleasure doing another one of these stories for you. Let me know in the comments section how this was for you. What did you think of this? Was this your cup of tea? Did you enjoy following the story? If you didn't like it for any reason, please tell me why. For example, you could say, I found it difficult to follow the text or something. If you did like it, please also tell me why as well. Okay, 
I've been doing this podcast for more than 600 episodes, but I really want to keep this spirit of sort of experimentation alive. I still want to experiment and do new things and try new things. That invariably means probably sometimes doing things that not everyone will will like as much as as some people. Uh, But I've got to keep experimenting. I need to keep that kind of feeling alive to make sure the podcast stays sort of fresh in some ways. So I might try new and different things from time to time on the podcast. But let me know how it is for you. Okay, thank you so much for listening. I'll speak to you again on the podcast very soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.